tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GoCast podcast. It's a special interview episode, and this time we're joined by and talking to Alfindial, who is a PvP Pokemon Go streamer. He also goes by Alf for short, but his real name is Ken, and I'm going to call him Ken throughout the rest of this because Alfindial is a, is a lot to say over and over again, as cool of a name as it is. So, Ken, how are you? Welcome. Well, I'd be doing better if you didn't just dox me on the internet, but <laughs> <laughs> look, I could have I could have whipped out the address, you know. I got the social security already going, you know, all that. So uh, it could have yeah, been I mean, worse. I, there's there's something to be said about the fact that I I stream a game that literally tells you exactly it, like you look at a map. I, there's a map on my screen while I'm streaming, so I guess. <laughs> I can't really I can't really hide my location in a location based game without uh, some hard, hard extra work. So (laughs) that's true. That's true. It is a little bit difficult to reverse engineer that small Pokemon Go screen snapshot, but I would imagine it's not impossible. (laughs) But let's stop talking about this and giving people ideas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. We, I, I, I probably don't need to be responsible for that. <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, what we're going to be doing here today is we're going to get to know Ken a little bit more. And then I'd, I'd really love to kind of break into some uh, some fun questions about the current state of Pokemon Go PvP in particular and some exciting things that are coming up and, and you know, just what you think should be changed and, and all that good stuff. But first, I would be remiss if I didn't set the stage a little bit. So we're talking Pokemon here and Pokemon is... It's an IP that's basically built on nostalgia. So I got to ask, what is your history with Pokemon? Was it just Pokemon Go? Did you start at a previous game? Did you watch the anime, collect the cards, that sort of stuff? Yeah, I I think I have like a lot of Pokemon Go players. I think I have a a similar story, which is that, yes, I I played the games. It's just sort of a, a matter of entry point. I got, you know, a Game Boy Color and Pokemon Red circa 1997 and you know i was just the right age and just the right sort of level of you know able to dive into it that i spent probably two years being absolutely obsessed with everything pokemon so yeah i watched you know the first season of the the tv show when it came to the states i played the the heck out of pokemon red pokemon cards were released not that long after that you know so i collected a few of them i learned to play the game although i didn't play a ton of it yeah, I just I was sort of all in on Pokemon for a couple years and then I sort of took a break. Uh, I, I moved and uh, when I moved, I didn't really have anyone near me that was super into it. And I sort of drifted other interests. And, you know, over the years, I would drift back. I always had a fondness for it. So I'd always like a spinoff game like Pokemon Snap would come out and I'd get really into sure. Pokemon Snap for a little bit. I played, you know, Diamond and Pearl in college and then I drifted away from it. Like I would always sort of come back to it as something that I really liked. And then, you know, Pokemon Go was just the perfect combination of ease of access and ease of play. Uh, You know, in the early days of Pokemon Go, it was very much like, well, it's on my phone. I'm just going to play walking from here to there. And, you know, I enjoyed it. Didn't play a ton. And then, you know, slowly but surely kind of got more and more uh, engaged as the game really grew and developed and became something, you know, more full featured. And here I am. And I, I still really enjoy the franchise I always have. And for some reason, Go was just the right mixture of mechanics and gameplay that kept me captivated for a while. 
Yeah, I think a lot of us can kind of identify with that. I think there's a particular age group that, that I believe that includes both of us here. It's kind of like a, a large like decade of times so there were young kids that liked Pokemon. And then there were some older kids when the when it first came out that were just as enraptured with it. Yeah, that a lot of us were super into it for a couple of seasons. And then we got distracted with growing up a little bit, you know, like high school or whatever, and then kind of came back to it, especially with Pokemon Go. I think that's a great point. But along the way, and maybe this has changed recently, especially with your reinvigorated interest via Pokemon Go, do you have a favorite Pokemon? I know it's the hardest question I'm going to ask today, but I got to ask it oh, up front. Yeah, I mean, it, it it would be, but I've I've been sort of a big fan of Articuno the entire time. It's, you know, my logo is based on it. I mm-hmm. it made, made choosing a team in Pokemon Go awfully easy because I really was like, oh, cool. I'm picking a bird. Well, Articuno is the best bird. Um, so done. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's it's always it's always my favorite. I remember it was the, I think it was the only legendary bird I caught the first time I played the game. And it just was like so cool. And there were like so few good ice types in Gen 1 and in Red and Blue that I just I, I loved it. And I remember just trashing the Elite Four with it. Lance Lance really has nothing on Articuno. It just felt great. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And it, <laughs> there are like six ice types of Generation 1 or whatever. Yeah. That's very true. Uh, so, someone's going to be really mad that I dissed on Lapras, but let's be real. Lapras, Lapras is, is great, but it's no Articuno. Very true. But all right, cool. That's great. What I'd like to do is kind of talk about uh, what you're doing on Twitch because it's it's spectacular. People love it. Uh, And if you have ever come to any of our Monday Night Art streams, yours is the stream that we pretty habitually uh, raid right after. (laughs) (laughs) On Mondays, we raid all (laughs) y'all. That's just how it goes. So uh, for those that might not be familiar with you or your content, uh, what's your elevator pitch if you had to give one? If someone's like, hey, what do you do? And you had like, you know, 20 seconds to tell them. What, what do you say? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the easiest way to sort of give people a, a glance at what what I do on Twitch is that I sort of I, I kind of do a little bit of everything when it comes to Pokemon Go. I I I'd, for a while had labeled the stream as a as a Pokemon variety stream. When you land on the stream, I'm not necessarily going to be, you know, in GBL. I'm not necessarily going to be like diving through matchups on PB poke. Like I might have an incense down and just sort of be chatting and, and catching Pokemon. I, I I'm blessed to live in a pretty active spot. I have a couple stops, you know, I've done rocket grinds. I did a 12 hour stream early on where I literally grinded out the training gold badge because I didn't have it. Um, oh my, you know, Oh man, <laughs> we do, uh, we do a lot of trading. We've got a, a you know, some trade streams and a, a game built around those. So I, I like to think of it as sort of a, a Pokemon variety stream. I do some, some other games I've played Pokemon pinball and Pokemon snap and, uh, sword and shield i've done some shiny hunting um, but realistically i like to think of it as we're all sort of gathered together out of an interest in, in love of pokemon go and specifically pvp but we're sort of a a, a more i don't want to say mature community but you know the average age of, of our viewers and chat is a little probably a little higher than other streams i'm kind of an old fart myself even if i don't look like it and <laughs> you know my profile says it all i'm just a grown man caring way too much about Pokemon. So it, it it's it's a good time. So th- having said that, I think that's great. Uh, what sets you apart from other Pokemon Go streamers? If you had to really kind of go to bat, someone's like, oh, well, I already watched like four or five streamers. Why would I come to you for your content? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things, you know, I pride myself on is is sort of interaction. Like, you know, I, I look at the stream very much as 
a combination of both what I'm doing and sort of chat participation. And, you know, I, I, I can't go five minutes without having a conversation with somebody in chat. Like I, I won't rabbit hole on GBL and, and battle in silence. It's just not it's just not how, how I am. Um, I just think like for the most part, the thing that's different about about the stream aside from just, you know, that level of sort of interaction, which I just think is a place a lot of a lot of streamers can can improve in in many cases is just that we do a little bit of everything. It's just not like I know a lot of streamers who will go live, they'll do their five GBL sets and then they're done for the day. And to me, like I can't I can't do that. That one, I, I, I don't love GBL that much. Um, if that was the only thing I was doing, I don't know that I would be streaming, but also just, I think it's nice to like spend some time together as a community and hang out and enjoy everything about the game as opposed to just enjoy this one small slice of it. Gotcha. So did I mischaracterize you when I said at the beginning that you were a a PVP Pokemon Go streamer, or is that still kind of like a really simple way of kind of describing it if you had to like in a couple of sentences? Yeah, I mean, I I still think that's that's relatively accurate. I would say in any given stream, 75 percent of it is done is is probably battling in some capacity, whether it's GBL or whether it's battling with viewers and, you know, spinning our wheel of memes and having some fun. You know, I still think PVP is, is, you know, the most fun thing game wise in Pokemon Go. It's the most active feature they have. It's the only part of it that I argue would could be constituted as a true game. But uh I think that's still accurate, although, you know, I probably, you know, take my battles less seriously than some of the other, you know, PvP streamers out there. It's definitely for me, it's something I enjoy doing. I have a ton of fun doing it, but it isn't necessarily always the focus of our stream. Well, kind of pulling from that, uh, I was looking around your Twitch channel because I was like, I wonder if there's anything interesting going on here. And lo and behold, in your about panel, there are a couple of fun little tidbits of information. And I think given what you just said, you've got to be the poster child for having fun and yet still having some success uh, in in GBL and Sylph and otherwise. Uh, so yeah. you've got you, you have done that. You finished the top 400 of Sylph Arena season one, which is which is incredible. Have you been streaming for as long as that? Or did you kind of start streaming after that? And season one was just sort of like your introduction. Yeah, I, I did some streams. My first streams were in September. I guess that would have been 2019 now. Um, which is really at the tail end of that first season of Sylph. I did a lot of work with Ghost Stadium in that sort of first season. I joined their streams a lot and I was doing some stream produ- production for them. Okay. And I did, you know, a couple fun little side streams with some friends. You know, nothing on the channel, but I debuted the channel very much at the end of the first season of Sylph, kind of with the intent of using it as an excuse to force myself to practice for Sylph tournaments. Um, <laughs> sure. And uh, it so happened that I started the stream and then they there was sort of a little break between seasons and it just sort of like had to come up with other stuff to do, which wasn't really much of an issue for us. We found, you know, ways to stay entertained. And then, you know, we, we sort of just rolled and we're doing that. I did a lot more. I did a lot more self uh, content in the pre GBL days. I still play self tournaments. I, I quite like the format. I have a, a strong preference for it when it comes to sort of competitive battling, but obviously, you know, in the current in the current environment, it's pretty hard to uh, have those tournaments and enjoy them without the in person stuff. So, we've been doing it since then. I did a couple streams with Go Stadium before. I did a couple streams, you know, with some friends, but it's really been since about about that that September start that we really developed sort of a personality in our own style of content. 
you mentioned that you were streaming primarily because you were trying to like pressure yourself, bully yourself into practicing, right? <laughs> so uh, was that just the only reason or did you also have some other interest in streaming? And, and this just seemed like a really logical decision to make to kind of hop into the space. Yeah, I've been at least eyeing the idea of streaming for probably five years. Um, like I, I enjoy Twitch. Uh, some of the other games I watch on Twitch, I guess I'm sort of an entertainer slash marketer by trade. Um, that's what I was doing professionally before the pandemic. I have a theater background. I've been doing uh, I've been hosting trivia nights for the last gosh, I guess that's eight years. I've been working professionally as a marketer for that trivia company for, you know, another six years. And I always wanted to to stream on Twitch. Um, but streaming on Twitch is extremely difficult to get sort of your get your toes in and, and build an audience. Um, I think those of us who've started here in Pokemon Go have really We've been blessed by uh, the perfect combination of sort of interest peaking and the category being, you know, brand new to an extent. There were people streaming Pokemon Go before sort of the PvP boom, but very, very few. Um, There's a handful of streamers who are still around from those days, but for the most part, the category was essentially dead. And, you know, Go Battle League and PvP sort of resurrected a category that frequently had four streamers and less than 100 viewers in it and now that's right. you know it's, it's it's crazy so people who have got to start in it really sort of whether they know it or not capitalized on a really good marketing opportunity to get to where they are most streamers don't not even to where i'm at and i'm not even you know i'm not even a, a big name necessarily anymore in the category it's pretty rare to go from brand new streamer with no audience to twitch partner in six months it just doesn't happen in most categories unless you are outrageous, unless you are the best player in the world and suddenly everyone notices you like it's just really, really hard. So we've been very, very blessed. I honestly never started streaming because I never saw an opportunity to do it. That's sort of where the marketer in me comes out is I knew that it was going to be a ton of work. And until there's a right opportunity for it, it never felt like it was going to be worth it. It didn't make sense for me to say, try and break into Magic the Gathering, which is something that I liked because that category was deep and there were pro level players streaming. Nobody wants to watch me. I might be entertaining, but I'm not that I'm not that good. And even if I'm more entertaining than the vast majority of people streaming, it was going to take a miracle for me to get noticed in a category with 500 people streaming. Um, There's been plenty of games like that that I would have loved to stream. And I do get to dabble in them now, which is really fun. But the simple answer is that Pokemon Go was a, just an absolutely fabulous opportunity to get in and start developing an audience. And I had the right connections with the right people. I knew, you know, the folks at Go Stadium who are really great at sort of um, helping me get my start. And I knew all of the other content creators and sort of as a group, we we helped sort of foster an audience there that's really, really taken off, which is which is awesome. But Ultimately, I'm I I only really got started because I saw that opportunity and thought it was like, hey, you know what? I want to stream. I think I'd be good at it. Now there's also the opportunity to do it without having to stream to zero people for six months while I try and build an audience from nowhere. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Living with you know just tweeting it out there and praying that people show up. Right. And then being like, okay, cool. Well, that's really it's really interesting. I, you know, I didn't really know that your marketing uh, background was so extensive, but we talked a little bit before we started recording. So I kind of had a little bit of an inkling, but I didn't realize that just hearing you talk about it, that your mind was so focused on that, even just maybe subconsciously. Right. You can't even help at that point. Yeah, no, I'm 
unfortunately, I cannot break the fact that deep down in my heart of hearts, I'm a, a soulless marketing shill. I just can't. <laughs> it's there. I look I look at everything from that. You know, I come from doing this, you know, professionally and I look at everything like, all right, what's our opportunity here? What's it going to cost? Like I even for my own content and existence, I, I look at everything that way. And I I honestly think that, you know, had this opportunity not looked so appealing, you know, from a an opportunity standpoint, I probably would have never started streaming. I'm glad I did. I'm really happy I did. But I think uh, there's just a lot of potential here. And it was really cool to sort of see it. And I'm glad that uh, it's been so good for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't originally plan on asking this question, but I feel like I'd, it'd be missing a great opportunity not to ask you. So you started streaming prior to lockdown right prior to pandemic situation in general and then you've been streaming through this entire situation as well so i would love to hear what your take is on how the space has changed over that time because i mean even for somebody that's not really plugged in all of a sudden you know what else are these content creators going to do that like a lot of people that are famous uh poketubers that you know were doing vlogs and stuff like that they can't travel anymore so a lot of them pivoted to streaming content and and Twitch was the biggest avenue that they they pivoted to so how have you seen sort of the environment change or adapt and how has it affected your content yeah i mean obviously a lot of folks uh have had their lives fundamentally changed uh over the last year and change right i mean i've lost i lost my full time job twice <laughs> so oh man i uh lost it immediately at the at the start of the pandemic cuz i worked for a pub quiz company and with bars closed there was no revenue um so you know i lost my job immediately at the beginning of march i helped them sort of transition a lot of their stuff digitally sort of on spec because i had been with them for so long and wanted to do it they rehired me you know because they could for a while and eventually you know they're still fighting to stay relevant but they had there were cutbacks that were required so i've been i've been through a lot i think a lot of the pokey tubers and the people who were doing a lot they're still doing youtube content but i think this was a i won't say an excuse but it was a good opportunity to say try something else and i think many of them have realized that their reasoning for not being on twitch previously was probably not good reasoning they should have been on twitch anyway and so i, I like i think we'll see many of them continue to stream on twitch even as things change but it's really hard from the PvP standpoint to really get a sense for it because two things happened pretty rapidly close together. And that was the release of Go Battle League, which really did change the tenor of what everyone was doing on Twitch when it came to battling. And then also the pandemic. So both of those things in like rapid succession really changed what what was happening there. Um, because in the pre-Go Battle League days... You were lucky to 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 pull a hundred people on a on a stream on a high sure. profile stream. There were exceptions, you know, the the world championships for Sylph and some of the showdowns. These big sort of flagship events could pull you know hundreds of people or maybe a thousand people if you were very very lucky. But the average streamer, you know, I remember looking at the numbers in December and seeing myself and J Farm and King. We were all averaging like fifty to seventy people, and that was like really really good. That seemed like we were really killing it. And, you know, Go Battle League sort of drops, I wouldn't say out of nowhere, but really sort of, you know, gets exciting and drops in. Um, The pandemic hits and suddenly those of us who were streaming, like we were lucky to get 70. We're like, there's 200 people watching me. I don't know where these people came from. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it just it, it, 
overnight, you know, one, people needed entertainment and this was a great place to go. And there was a ton of new interest in this new feature. And it was just like really interesting to see everything sort of, you know, explode there. And, uh, you know, it was really, really cool to see this little category with, you know, very rarely anyone streaming in it go from empty to full in a matter of months see a number of i mean a number of new content creators hit partner in that category was really cool um you know obviously i i was lucky to be (laughs) lucky to be the first one to do that but like i think king and i got partnered literally a day apart it was so cool to just (laughs) that's awesome hit those thresholds and and see the category go from essentially a, a ghost town to something that's vibrant and now there's always you can't you can't go at any point you can go to that category and find somebody to watch and it's just really really cool to see that happen yeah, no, that's that's incredible. I, I was kind of curious to, to see if maybe the oversaturation of it, because a lot of people were pivoting into that space, was going to kind of affect viewer count. But it sounds like the market share was was healthy anyway, because that's where all the viewers then went to. And so, you know, nobody consumes. It's very rare if you are very passionate about consuming a particular type of content that you only stick to one person. You'll watch, you know, you're subscribed to five or six channels. So I'm sure that you right, got a lot exactly. of viewers as well when they came into the space. Yeah, it's certainly like, you know, if someone would ask me like, hey, is it still a good it's, it's still a good category to jump into if I if I want to start streaming? You know, my answer is still kind of like, yeah, it's not bad, but it's nowhere near the level of prime real estate that it was eight months ago when, you know, there just weren't enough streamers. There were there were plenty of gaps of content. I remember, you know, for a while it was like there's literally times when no one is live. And now that's just not the case. So like it's certainly, you know, you you have to put in the work, but the community is really, really receptive to new new folks. And, you know, the content creators are all pretty accessible still. And, you know, there's a lot of if you have the right connections and you know who to talk to, you know, you can definitely still get a, a good start. But obviously, I know that there's there's folks who are, are just getting started, who are struggling. And I think the category is, while it's not like overly saturated, it's certainly nowhere near as you know, easy to go from from zero to top of the category as it was, you know, when I started. Yes, it's really interesting to just watch because I'm not in the I'm not in the PvP streaming space or even Pokemon Go stream. When we do streaming content, it's basically just like subsidiary stuff. We do like main series games or I do an art stream. And uh, so, yeah, and then we usually raid people that are playing Pokemon Go. And so we end up Mm -hmm. kind of feeding into that. And so it's just it's very interesting to kind of see. Uh, you know who's popular at what times who is and isn't streaming because you're right there are still some times now too like one or two hours at a time where it's like there's one person playing and there are other nights where there's like seven yeah it's that's wild it's a wild field to to observe for sure but i'd like to pivot into some some questions we have submitted from listeners yeah and members of our community so i've got a few here from DeFi who is a fellow pokemon go streamer uh, and her first question is, what Pokemon do you think needs a move update the most at the moment? Uh, yeah, I, 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 anyone who's watched the stream a lot, there's two Pokemon that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two because I okay. think that they're, I wanted them both to get the same move. And I think they would be really healthy. I, I, I primarily think for stuff like this about Great League, but I will throw a bonus Master League pick in there as well. But I'd like to see Tentacruel get Surf. Ooh. I just think that that would like it's already the best Azumarill counter in the game and Surf makes it a really reliable Stunfist counter and it would just muck up everybody's day um, to give (laughs) it a reasonable water move. And on the same token, I'd like to see Lantern also get Surf 
because lantern has the same issue where it's only reasonable water move is basically hydro pump um and that just makes it unreliable as a water type i think both of those would like really really kind of shake things up and make things really interesting and then in master league i just want to see literally any of the swords of justice get good moves (laughs) i don't care what moves they are they need to be they need fighting moves badly and uh, they can do a lot for that meta because you know the steel types are so problematic there that i think giving those giving them i mean i know they don't learn counter i think most of them learn rock smash which is a move that probably needs an update at some point um but they can they would absolutely you know rip that meta open which would be really really cool so those are the ones that like immediately off the top of my head i'm just like i would love love to see those well i'd say probably out of that grouping the swords of justice one is probably the one we'd have to wait for the most yeah. <laughs> or the longest rather well and it also would require that we play master league which i don't i know a few people enjoy some master league classic like right now but the fact that they've given us sort of a thematic like holiday type cup like love cup to play as an alternate indicates to me that they're sort of aware that there's some issues with master league accessibility Um, that have only been made worse recently. So I think, you know, like I haven't touched Master League in in a while because there's no reason to. I'd rather play Love Cup than Master League anyway. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle Master League over the next three to six months. Sure. And now I have a question that we could probably uh, hop to here because Carlo had one that kind of plugs right into this. So do you think that reasoning with with master league like the whole xl candy raising the ceiling for investment possibility i know that classic mm-hmm. is an option but do you think that some people are just kind of less interested now even even more so than they were before because the level of investment that you need to be good in just regular old master league is astronomical yeah i mean i th- i don't necessarily think that most players who would enjoy master league are worried about the the expenditure um, yes, obviously there's a lot of players who are going to, it's going to put a lot of pressure on dust and that sort of stuff. I think the issue right now is just the fact that XL candy is not a particularly well-balanced mechanic. And <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That is like, fair. <laughs> legendary XL candy is essentially a broken mechanic. Um, it, yeah. it doesn't functionally exist and there's not enough rare XL candy to get you there. And then you compound that with just the level of access that if I, for example, I live in a, a a dense urban area, so grinding something like an XL Gyarados to level 50 is, is reasonable for me to do in an event like this. I'm not really doing it currently, but I could. And then I jump into a queue and I battle and then, okay, well, now there's always been these intrinsic sort of like accessibility issues. And I, I've talked about this a lot because a lot of people, you know, have thoughts and opinions on this. But Pokemon Go is is never intrinsically going to be a balanced game when it comes to access because that's at odds with what the game is. The game is a collection game, right? And they need to maintain a, a level of rarity on your collecting items to keep you interested in playing, which is going to be at odds with the idea of everyone having the same tools for PvP. And you could certainly come up with solutions to that, but I think that that, that sort of tension is always going to be there. The problem with XL candy is it's worse than the usual thing. Having a level 50 Gyarados is significantly more impactful than having a Gyarados with, say, Aqua Tail. Because there's usually like some variety there, right? There's usually like, well, I could run it without Aqua Tail. I could run something that's pretty similar. But now you're literally breaking that sort of balance that is the, the CP 
um, and everyone having access to even that. Like, I think that Master League is the one place where where XL Pokemon are are simply not they're not they're not going to work because there's no baseline balance there. And I know like some people would, would, would and I'll, I'll preempt the question about Ultra League. Ultra League is an intrinsically balanced format because of the fact that it's got a CP cap. Any Pokemon at 2500 is technically balanced against any other Pokemon at 2500 CP. Yeah, Umbreon's really good. And not having access to an Umbreon means that you're limited in ways. But literally any Pokemon at 2500 CP is technically about as good as an Umbreon. I know that people are going to be mad at me for saying that because, but it's so good. But I do believe that like, you know, you can find ways to win in Great League and Ultra League without XL Pokemon. I think in Master League, like over Master League, I think if somebody brings three level 50 Pokemon, they are so unbelievably favored over an opponent that doesn't have access to those that it just makes for a a, a format that shouldn't really be pushed or played. All right. So having said that, with setting the goalposts, kind of like putting the ceiling on it and kind of giving us parameters in which like it's a theory craft within because Master League is just kind of like a whatever the best thing is, dump as much as you can. It's just max, max, max. Right. And you mentioned how Ultra League is just intrinsically better because, you know, what's what's the phrase? Limitation breeds creativity. Right. right. And so it becomes just that much more of an interesting space to exist in, especially competitively. Um, and thank you to Carlo for that question. I'm kind of adapting it here as well. Do you really think that there should be kind of a version of every league, like a classic of each league where XL Pokemon are not allowed for this particular reason? Because I kind of think that it's a general consensus that what you said up front, that the XL system is a little bit just not fully fleshed out or isn't well balanced or, you know, it's something like the idea is good. It's fun. It's a cool mechanic. But it does kind of run train <laughs> on the competitive space, especially if they had already set up these formats. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my my read on the XL, like at least as a pure mechanic, is it was it was the the simplest solution to a problem that they wanted to address, which was they didn't want you on day one of the level 50 update to be able to just level like we have so many resources at this point that like it would have been very easy for me to just max a ton of Pokemon. <laughs> it would have been trivially easy for me to, to take stuff to level 50 without some kind of time gate. And they've used XL Candy as a time gate, essentially saying you'll get XL Candy. Just keep playing the game. And that's sort of how I'm currently treating it to an extent is obviously if there's a spotlight hour or community day where the XL Candy is something I think I'm going to want, I play a little harder. It's a resource that I'm going to grind, but I'm not like actively right now. I'm not like actively going super hard hunting metatites to make an XL Metacham. I probably should. It's a really, really good Pokemon for Great League, but I'm not like overly concerned about it. Now, that's totally incorrect when it comes to things that aren't available in the wild. So a legendary Pokemon, for example, is the functionality doesn't exist right now. You're never getting an XL Dialga for Master League. It's just not happening. Right, right. I don't personally think that all leagues need a classic format. Um, I think there's a couple reasons for that. One of the biggest being is I I sort of mentioned how things become at odds with the core Pokemon gameplay experience. And I I always like to remind people that regardless of how much you love GBL or PvP or any of that, that the core gameplay experience is a this is a collecting game. It is a resource management and collection game. They need you to walk out your door and want to catch Pokemon. And anything they do that makes it so you will not do that as much as they would like you to is sort of problematic 
to the core game design. I think that that could change. I think that 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 philosophy at some point could adjust, but I think that it's unlikely that it will. Um, Because if, if you're done functionally collecting resources to play the play a portion of the game, then there's nothing necessarily keeping you playing the game. And I, I think that that's a, it's a really hard balance to strike. And, you know, it's one of the things that makes the competitive side of Pokemon Go kind of occupy a weird space because ultimately there are people that the competitive drive of PvP is fun enough that they would continue playing the game without the collecting aspect, that they would just play this game. Um, but what percentage of the player base that is, we sort of don't know. Um, and we, we're sort of in the dark when it comes to whether or not ultimately when, you know, push comes to shove on the Niantic side, if they need to make a sacrifice, where are they making it? Are they going to sacrifice com- a little bit of the competitive integrity of Go Battle League to keep everyone who's collecting happy? Or will they sort of sacrifice some of that and try and make the Go Battle League crowd happy? And I think it's it's a challenge. I don't think it's necessarily something that's a, uh, there's a clean answer to. But I think that that's sort of what we're seeing and why we're happening. But that's the reason I don't think we're ever going to see classic for Ultra League or classic for Great League. And I also don't necessarily believe that they should, um, mostly because I still fundamentally believe that those metagames will develop and they'll shift. And having a CP cap puts a relative level of balance on those formats. Now, maybe maybe I'll be wrong and they'll 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 settle into a place that's significantly worse than it is now. It's a possibility. Let's not throw that out. <laughs> yeah, it is a possibility because I, I think one of the things that like to get into the nitty gritty a little bit on it, like XL Metacham is a good example. XL Metacham just beats everything neutral. Like it doesn't have neutral fights. It either crushes something, wins, or gets crushed. And not having neutral fights is kind of becomes a problem because that makes the games less interesting. The things that actually are fun in PvP are when like, well, these two Pokemon are pretty evenly matched and it kind of depends on how you play it to determine who's going to win. And if the if the formats all devolve into, well, there's a centralizing force that just you have to hard counter it, then things actually become worse as a metagame. Um, there's always going to be something that's quote unquote best. The thing is, is that you kind of don't want that best thing to be so oppressive that the only way to beat it is by targeting it specifically. But, you know, we might already have been there with Azumarill for for seasons. So I don't necessarily look at, you know, XL Metacham necessarily as any worse for the format than that or Umbreon in Ultra League for that matter. Like, I just don't necessarily think that it's all that worse than this, the sort of centralizing forces we previously had had. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up seasons because that that's definitely something that like if you unless you really sit down to think about it, you don't really think it's not going to occur to you that that could sort of influence, especially the competitive PvP space, because if Merrill's aren't in the wild and Azumarill is oppressively good, then like whoever had it prior is going to just have that intrinsic, you know, uh, advantage over everybody else. I can't get it. And this is I mean, this has been um, sort of what's going on with community day moves, but on a on a, almost a grander scale. Right. Because you could sort of trade for a community day in Pokemon. There were other ways to you, you have elite TMs now. XL candy, if you miss your window to pick up your XL candy for something like if they do if they do a Meryl spotlight hour, but it's not available in the seasonal spawns like it kind of isn't right now. Mm-hmm. 
and everybody you, you literally like you you're you're handicapped to an extent now I, I i don't know that it's as bad in some cases because literally you could still just run the regular merrill that you have i think that it's one of those things where it's interesting because it's it's for real people playing on a different like and this has always been i think underlying in pvp is that from an accessibility standpoint people are not playing on an even playing field it's never been an even playing field this just sort of highlights it in a new way and you know i think if anyone out there it has hopes and dreams for pokemon go pvp to be a real thing to be i mean, I mean it's a thing but like to be an esport to be something where people are interested and it's got cash prizes and you could you know become a professional pogo battler um, aside from just being a content creator, if you want that, the game needs to fundamentally change because as it's currently built, I just don't think it's possible. I just don't think that it'll ever be anything other than sort of a niche interest uh, among, you know, a segment of players of Pokemon Go. I think the game has all the ingredients to be something that would be fun to watch and that people would be excited about. It's got the right IP. I think the mechanics, as simple as they are, are actually compelling and fun to watch when they work. But it's just the the the, the fact that the core game experience that PvP is tacked onto is so at odds with what PvP is and your ability to participate, you know, on an even playing field that it just can't ever get beyond. You, you can't recruit new players <laughs> because you can't you can't just fire up the game and battle. It's going to take yeah. you six to eight months to actually battle. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So actually, I had that question down for later. Later on, I was going to ask you if you think the buried entry is prohibitive to newer players looking to get into PvP. But I think you pretty much just answered it right there. Right there. The answer is yes. You know, the absolutely getting a second move on some Pokemon. Just like if you're a casual player, you're not racking up hundreds of thousands of Stardust that, you know, Every couple of months, you're just like, oh, I guess I'll make a new team because of this or no. Now it's Ultra League and now the meta has shifted or it's a new seasons and people are running this more often than not. Like, you know, one look at PV poke and you're really like an XL Lickitung. Oh, my gosh. What do I I don't have any of that. I mean, that's a different conversation altogether because nobody does. So does that actually really matter or not? But <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, seen no. I've seen them. <laughs> I'm sure um, you have. But like what? But, like uh, the one percent of players, yeah. right? <laughs> well, you, you sort of hit on it. I don't I'm not even necessarily necessarily worried about converting the casual players to pvp um i think at this point the people who enjoy pvp and are playing pokemon go they have they have self-separated they know who they are they've they've reached that for the game to grow you're going to need to get people who were not pokemon go players to want to play pokemon go pvp yeah but what is the path from i saw pokemon go pvp on a stream it looked really fun i want to try it to actually trying it what does that path look like and the answer is it doesn't exist you would have to get the game you would have to grind levels like grind and you'd have to i mean okay maybe in the 30s you could start considering if you've been lucky enough to catch the right pokemon right and then maybe you can compete at like a low level, but we're talking probably three, four months to even be able to start playing the game at even a baseline level. No other competitive game on the planet asks you to grind for three to four months, not even working on the skills or the competitive angle, just literally grinding the resources to maybe participate. 
it's not a, there's no path there so i don't know how they fix that without fundamentally sort of changing the way that pokemon go and pokemon pvp sort of interact with each other and i just don't know that that's in the cards right like i i don't know the the answer is is rentals right but i think you kind yeah. of debunked that earlier on where you're like that's just not in the interest of the game and where the design is like right. you said before they want you to go outside and they want you to catch pokemon that's what it is and it's currently set up in such a space that from the outside perspective you're like oh this must be super well balanced because if that's mm-hmm. their goal they have all these pvpers doing like you know you're a variety streamer as well like people pvpers that pretty much only want to do that exclusively this is this kind of excludes you but you're in that space of people that do this like they still have to raid they still have to keep an eye on important community days they still have to care about spotlight hours they still have to participate in just about every other aspect of the game uh and and that's a lot that's a big huge ask so i think yeah you're right it's a fundamental marketing problem yeah it's a lot to ask of somebody for i mean frankly it's a lot to ask for somebody for a game that mechanically is not finished right it's a it's a lot to ask for that and i i think that like ultimately you know i I think shifts are possible i think that you know niantic has shown that they have some interest in sort of where pvp is going and its potential um i think the pokemon company has shown some interest in pvp and its potential you know we saw it at worlds i think it's it's on their mind the question will ultimately be you know, what sacrifices have to be made to the core game to make this competitively balanced and interesting and accessible in a way that people could participate in it versus is it even worth it to do that? Sure. <laughs> right. Mean, no, exactly. Ultimately, step one is they need to fix the game. The game needs to play consistently and cleanly, pure, plain and simple. Uh, OK, let's like I carried away. OK, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how Just possible kidding. that is. But like, you know, ultimately, I've said it before and I'll, you know, I've been asked a number of times, like step one is the game needs to be repaired. I'm not an expert on what they've done to code it. I don't know necessarily what causes all of the issues, but the simple fact is the game needs to run more smoothly in in all places. There are there's too many there's too many bugs. There's too many mechanics that that aren't really mechanics. There's just too much that's not clean about the game. To really take it seriously as a competitive thing. Now, I think that that can change, but ultimately everything starts and stops with their ability to actually fix the game and make it play at least 95% make it play the way it's intended to be played. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we can all kind of agree on that. And and this conversation is really interesting because it's been kind of an over like an overall sort of meta conversation about this. Uh, I've got another question from from DeFi-E here, which is kind of like a change in scope, but similar to this conversation. If you could change one thing right now about Pokemon Go, what would it be? And server stability is off limits for answers. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, obviously f- fix fix the game. I mean, I think the thing that I've I've talked about a lot and I think we're, we we sort of many people have identified this, which is that the game needs a really good just quality of life update. It just needs them to spend some time hanging out with people who play the game, seeing what they do every day and how they do it and going, okay, 
how do we make this how do we make this game feel more fun to play? I'll give you a couple examples. Do you quick catch? Yes, uh, but only when like community days, like special occasions. Could you imagine not (laughs) on those days? No, no, not anymore. Now that I now that I made the chance, I was very against it to begin with because I was like, Mm -hmm. that's not the way it's intended to be played. But they left it on purpose. And like once you start, you just can't. You're like, why would I go back? Right. And I, I think like here's here's the only time I don't quick catch when I have something in my other hand, because I, I can't right, one handed right. quick catch. Like if I have a cup of coffee and I go for a walk with a cup of coffee and my phone, but it hurts to play the game that way. And I think a lot of players feel like that's the case. That is that's that's not good. And there's a couple examples of that in the game where it's like this feels like a chore. There's all of this animation bloat and it comes catching as a huge pile of animation bloat. Things like feeding berries and gyms is just a frustrating endeavor. It just it's so laggy and it freezes out. I've been lagged out of rocket battles. Like all of the things I do in the game, sending gifts is a chore. All of these things that like if they could just expedite and speed up and do some quality of life updates that make those experiences better. I think that the game becomes more fun to play. And I I, like I know that's kind of a big, broad um sort of thing to say like what's the one thing i would change um but i think that like i'm not i don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with basically 99% of what's happening in the game from a like a baseline design standpoint it's just that everything is frustrating to do everything takes 3 yeah. times longer than it needs to you know everything like just give me a button that says you know feed these berries to the gym Give me a button that let me just send 10 gifts, send my gifts to people on my list. I don't care who you send it to. Just send gifts. You pick the people. You know, I think that there's stuff like that that would just make the game so much like all of the like all of these extra things that you have to do. It would just help immensely um, if they would just rather than worry about the next big feature, fix the features they have and clean them up. I guess if you want if you want a, a more ambitious one, um, I'd like to see a an item an item I'll say crafting system essentially, but I'd like them to give you value for just trashing items. I, I've thrown away probably this is going to hurt some of your listeners, and I'm so sorry. I've probably <laughs> thrown away sixty thousand pokeballs in the in 2021. Oh my god, my heart. <laughs> I live on I live on four stops. Like, yeah, no, I am that's, that's always fair. swimming in in resources. But the fact that I just I'm I just throw away balls. I throw away. I can't throw away berries because they've given me something for that. Although it's frustrating. I throw away potions. It feels really pointless to collect all these items only to throw the vast majority of them away. Right, for sure. But I, there are, there are a couple of counter arguments to it, though. Uh, one of them would be that. It is a mobile game, and for them, they want you to spend as much time in their app as possible. But I think you're right. Like, hitting the balance between, like, is that enjoyable time I'm spending or is it frustrating time? Like, when I'm spamming evolutions during an evolution hour, people are calculating based on animation times, not how much re- how many resources I have, which is how it's it should ridiculous. be. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it does seem a little bit backwards for sure. But I also think it's because this game, when it first came out, when it was built on some of these design decisions, was not engineered to be the hit that it is no i I think you're absolutely right and yes time and game matters but what makes me not want to play the game 
is like I would spend more time in game if I everything was easier to do or everything was less yeah. frustrating to do. So, right, right. Yeah, that's like, the other side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> it, the fact that I spend an extra 5 minutes in the game feeding berries at the gym doesn't mean I'm spending more time in the game. I'm probably spending less ultimately because after I'm done with that, I'm just done with it. <laughs> I'm just kind of kind of done. I'm like, uh yeah, that was frustrating. I don't want to do that again. Um, yeah, it's a little paralyzing. Yeah, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm awful at sending gifts is like it's not because I don't like the people and it's not because I don't want to get the items from mm-hmm. opening gifts. And it's not like I don't want the ex- exceptional experience right. bonuses. Right. It's because I don't want to spend the time. The yeah, monotony. It and yet, Right. And it's 10 minutes. Sure. But it's 10 minutes of. Why am I? I don't want to do this. Yeah, I don't want to do. And, this. and also because, <laughs> at least for me, opening those gifts now doesn't give me anything of value. Like oh, I sure. open the gifts yeah. and I get I get potions and balls that I'm going to throw away. Now I know for some people, opening gifts is a great place to get the pokeballs that they're having trouble getting. Not everybody has access like I do, and I totally understand that. But I don't think it would be a negative in the game if I could say, you know, if I throw away a thousand pokeballs, I could turn that thousand pokeballs into even just something basic, right? It doesn't, I don't need to be getting like, cause I get the idea of like, well, if I can turn my excess pokeballs into something insanely good, it just increases the gap between, you know, what I have access to and what everyone else does. But I also don't see any reason why I can't have essentially the ability to, to turn a thousand pokeballs into, you know, a rare candy. <laughs> like it doesn't seem sure. like that's going to ch- break anything if I wanted to, uh, if you know we we did something like that and that doesn't even have to be the the uh the true example i just feel like at some point the the whole game is built on this idea of just like accumulating resources and then those resources being useful like pokemon themselves are just they're just a candy factory you catch 500 seals to power up your favorite one and that's okay but that never applied to items properly so now it's like, well, I got 500 Pokeballs to throw away Pokeballs, I guess. Um, right. And I just feel like, you know, there's there's a lot they could do um, to sort of make it feel like, you know, maybe maybe you get some value out of out of these instead of just immediately throwing them directly in the trash. Yeah, 100%. This is some excellent feedback. And uh, we don't really have a lot of time or make a space on a regular show to kind of dig into sort of these like the, these difficult topics to cover right because mm-hmm. it can kind of sound like we're complaining but we're just yeah. kind of discussing frustrations that everybody feels yeah. everybody's there like this is constructive conversation thank thank you this is great yeah no i, I feel it and i definitely like everyone's favorite pastime is complaining about the game it's like the one thing we all <laughs> like to do is like we, we we're unified that we like to complain about the game and you know i'm a big proponent of not doing things that you don't think are fun um, sure. And so for me, like that in the re- in recent memory has been gifting. It just doesn't feel fun. So I've just sort of stopped doing it. You know, I just don't I used to, you know, I have like 300 best friends like on my badge, but I haven't been doing it lately because it's not fun. Like I, I just honestly have not enjoyed doing it for a while and I just sort of cut it out of my day. I was like, you know what? Like I'm not getting much out of this anymore. I don't need the experience. I just don't see any reason to keep doing this. And like, you know, that's kind of a bummer. I would love to continue. And I know some of my friends need the gifts. <laughs> I try and send those, but like, it's just so frustrating to do it. And I think there's a lot of stuff like that in the game where I feel like it could be solved to an extent by just spending some time with people who play the game a lot and just going, okay, what is frustrating to you? 
we should look to try and fix that. And I think that like that level, that would be just a, a that would be much better than them rolling out a new a new feature. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. That, that's great feedback. And I think especially now that they're sort of upping their communication on social feeds and stuff like that and being more receptive to feedback, you're seeing them make some changes to some of these features, especially new rollouts, kind of within a, like 48 to, you know, 48 hours to a few days of some mm-hmm. of these things rolling out, which is very different than uh, the Niantic that we saw a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, so, cre- so credit to their to their social team, absolutely, for their level of awareness. And I'm, I'm hoping that it continues to improve as it's been going. But but thank you to everybody that submitted questions, DeFi, Carlo, and Rose. I know we didn't get to everything, but we covered a lot of what these questions were going to <laughs> uh, get to eventually. I've got a couple of other closing questions here before we wrap up. Uh, that I really want to cover. We talked about resources, uh, kind of the depth uh, you covered them in particular, about how this game is collecting for sure Pokemon, but also resource gathering. And it kind of begs the question, especially in the PvP space, we already covered XL Candy and how prohibitive some of those costs can be. But how do you balance your time and Stardust investment between you know GBL, Sylph, and, and Go Stadium? Because for a lot of players, even just affording one seems like a lot yeah um i mean gosh i i spent a lot of stardust back in the day i i mean the real answer is i i have spent an inordinate amount of stardust on on uh pvp stuff um, because i i enjoy it and i spent a lot i also though don't spend as much stardust on say the general raid metas primarily because they haven't changed terribly much like the the best electric type hasn't changed a ton since i made you know some raikus to beat kyogres like three or four years ago yeah there's stuff that's better but ultimately like i don't max out my raid mons i'm never really because of where i live i'm never short manning anything i just you know i've always been very much about optimizing my my spend pvp is a place you can't cut corners on your spend to an extent like you can cut corners a little bit by choosing maybe slightly suboptimal IVs and saving some levels here or there, which I do quite a lot, uh, especially for Ultra League. I have a lot of Pokemon in Ultra League that are really high IV'd um, because it, it'll it save you three or four levels. And those three mm. or four levels are like 34 through 37. And the difference in dust, like my Lapras probably cost me. 200,000 less dust to make because it's a perfect and it's not a a, a high it's not a, a pvp iv one so i've always been big on min maxing sort of my dust expenditure in that way where you know i i take a look and i i wager whether or not i can afford those resources or want to spend those resources on something like that is it worth it to spend an extra 250,000 dust for a rank five lapras as opposed to just the one that I already have that's close to the where it needs to be. Um, and I think that like, you know, being smart with your resources at the end of the day is Pokemon Go. <laughs> that is the game. Sure, sure. And if and if you don't particularly enjoy the idea of managing your resources in that way, then this is probably you, you probably have a, a, an abusive relationship with the game because that's what it is. It is at its core a resource accumulation and management game. You know, managing your Pokemon inventory, keeping the right stuff, spending your dust where appropriate. Like all of that is just boils down to your ability to do that. I tend to like that stuff. I really like games that, you know, force you to sort of figure out how to optimize your various resources. 
And I I end up enjoying a lot of Pokemon Go beyond PvP because of that. I, you know, I keep a, a couple living dexes and I like my collection and I like managing that and sort of keeping my inventory clear. And like, to me, that's all fun. I think uh, reasonably PvP requires a pretty substantial upfront investment but once you've invested it doesn't require much of a continuation like i don't think i've spent all that much dust on much of anything for pvp in a while not anything seriously because for the most part unless it's a brand new pokemon i probably made it during self-season one for a cup and i sort of just have i i now have that collection because i've been sort of keeping an eye on it so usually like, you know, I think I've probably made 10 new Pokemon in the last six months and that's about it. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a, something to say about that. Like just just the other day, I had a Charizard I made for Rose Cup a long time ago, which is a Sylph, a Sylph Cup. And uh, now I've just re-outfitted it for Love Cup. I just gave it a new quick move and that was pretty much it. And yeah, I think, th- yeah, that's definitely wisdom there for sure. Um, but for first just kind of general approach to this sort of content in general when you're sort of framing your investment when starting a new season in gbl or a new cup and self or a new format in ghost stadium where do you kind of start do you like wait to see what pv poke puts up do you get out there and just kind of play what you think will sort of work and figure it out for yourself yeah i mean for a format like love cup um you know i obviously i love when pv poke puts out the stuff because i can sort of take a quick look at it but i usually you know take a quick peek at that and then go okay what do i what do i think is going to work and i'll just sort of throw it out and we'll get we'll get some battles in sometimes i do a really good job of that sometimes uh i i I whiff but that's just sort of the name of the game if it comes to investing i i don't generally recommend like oh pv poke put out his list the best pokemon in the format is xl metacham i guess i should make an xl metacham Like, I don't recommend doing that. I think that that is not always the best way to do that because you may find that you don't like that Mon or it doesn't fit the team that you're building. Like, I would generally say, look at the list, find a team that you already have or that you can sort of quickly put together and start playing. Play some games, get a feel for it. And you're going to find really quick, oh, you know what? I do. I do want a Metacham. I do want to build this Pokemon. It's expensive, but it's going to be worth it. And I also think that, like, you know, if you are a player who's concerned about long term value or your resource spend, you just don't you don't get the luxury of like building uh, fringe stuff. You don't get to build a Scolipede for Love Cup because you're probably not going to use it anywhere else. (laughs) Sure. But a Metacham or a Wigglytuff, those are Pokemon that are just good in GBL. And if you don't have one, now's a good time to make one. You're going to get some extra use out of it now and you can make it later. And and continue to use it. So I think it's just, again, it just comes down to managing your own resources based on your own, you know, needs. And, you know, I am in a position where I can absolutely afford to build a Scolipede or I can build, you know, I'm trying to think of of something else that's like, well, I built a a fish. I built a a Lomalola, which I know I mispronounce and people seem to take joy out of it. So you should never (laughs) trust me to pronounce a Pokemon name correctly. Um, I'm not saying I, I, a darn thing. <laughs> yeah, I like I, I I put a second move on one because I could. I already had one sort of saved. I hadn't invested in it, but now was a good time to do it. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the best investment of my Stardust, but I'm at the point now where I you know have the ability to do that because I've got the resources and I've got the Pokemon. 
I think a lot of players, um, they, they waste resources. They like, they're, they're just not, they're not spending with the, the value in mind. And I, I mean, a lot of players like, Oh, I'm low on dust. And I take a look at image. like, well, you have like 96 level 40 Pokemon. I'm like, yeah, they're for rating. I'm like, yeah, but you probably didn't need like, that's so much dust you just spent there. I don't, I have very few level 40 Pokemon and you know, no, no level fifties yet. But like, I think that like looking at the entire game in that way, it'll frame how you spend your dust. I just don't spend that much anymore because I just don't see necessarily the return on investment for, you know, for certain things. I very rarely upgrade a Pokemon for PVP. I'm still using some absolutely like they're shocking IVs on some of the Pokemon I use. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> shocking. People will be like, oh, what's what are the IVs on your Toxicroak? I'm like, uh, it's a 98 <laughs> percent, 15, 15, 14. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, they're like, do you not have a better one? I'm like, oh, I do. But I haven't felt like spe- like it doesn't feel like spending the dust on making a better Toxicroak has been the correct move at any point. Right, for sure. So, you know, it's the same way where I feel like right now it's like, well, I, I could ma- start working on an XL Sableye or an XL Metacham or an XL Azumarill, but I have a perfectly good one already made. So until I really feel like, you know, I've got the, the resources and I'm going to get value out of it, I'm just not going to do it. I think a lot of folks, uh, the game is built on, you know, pressuring you to spend your resources because that's the core of the game. They want you to always feel like, you need more and you want to spend more. And I think our job as, as players when it comes to playing the game optimally is to figure out how to how to do that, to figure out how. To, and, that, and that to me, I, I like. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I seem to always find, you know, uh, something to enjoy in, in Pokemon Go is that, you know, I actually think that the core, the core sort of conceit of the game is one that speaks to me, uh, which is accumulate resources and spend them wisely you know, uh, i'm into that that's great i think it kind of segues into this i wanted to ask you about uh our next community day pokemon mm-hmm. we, we just it was just announced for march it's fletchlane yeah so we're gonna get talon flame that's got incinerate on it and, and are you hype <laughs> what's going on are you excited about that is that going to be one of those pokemon that you'll invest in because you feel like you'll get good use out of it or or no i have not built a talon flame yet so i probably will i mean the funny thing is I will definitely catch one and save one specifically for Great League and probably also one for Ultra League. Whether or not I'm going to spend the dust on it right away, like I won't do it right away because I'll be waiting for like if I'm not going to use something right away, I'm never investing in it. So sure, I'm going to catch them. I'm going to save them. I actually like Incinerate on Talonflame. I think it's going to be good. Um, Incinerate is a move that uh, I've talked about a lot because I used it quite a bit. It interacts with the game in ways that are unfortunate. It is either a good move, but clunky, or it's absolutely broken because of the way it interacts. If you sneak in an incinerate at any point, you you basically win. So I, I've used it. They're like, it's not that good. I'm like, no, it isn't. But it ranges from clunky and decent to absolutely game-breakingly good. So I'm going to take that scale. <laughs> I'd rather take that scale than it's fine. Like, it, it just makes sense. I have a hard time getting really excited about Fletchling Community Day, though. Okay. <laughs> because it's it's a trash bird. It's a Route <laughs> 1 trash bird. But it's new, and it gets some typing. <laughs> and and it's, it's a good trash bird. Don't get me wrong. I know I know some of the people out there stay in Talonflame. I get it. But, like, it just, it's another Community Day where I just, I feel like it's not, 
all that exciting. And the only reason I think it's going to be more exciting is that that Fletchling is relatively new and it's a new shiny. And that's it. And obviously, as a collector, I'm through the it's like, cool, I get my three Fletchling shinies and I don't have to fuss about it. Right, right. That's awesome. I'm super into that. Like, I, I do collect a lot of stuff. It's going to be an opportunity to get my lucky level ones. It's going to be an opportunity to get my shinies. Um, I'm very excited about about that part. Um, but when I think about it, and I think about, like, just the words Fletchling Community Day just does not resonate in a way that excites me. It's just like, sure. I have to I have to justify why I why I'm OK with it, why I think it'll be OK. In the same way, I justified being, you know, okay with Weedle Community Day. It's like, do I really want to spend my whole day catching (laughs) Weedles? No, but at least I'm getting three shinies for my living decks knocked off the list nice and easy. But I don't know. I just I feel like it's just a really underwhelming Community Day when you look at it objectively. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah sure 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 uh well you just picked a fight you didn't know you picked because uh, i love bug pokemon and i was super hyped for weedle community day hey I, i'm not uh, here to yuck your yums friend <laughs> i'm not here to yuck your yums i'm just saying that like realistically like how excited was i was i to be out there catching weedles for six hours oh I, I no think- i i i am completely aware that it was just me alone in my car just happily just going ha 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 yeah. weedle 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 you know <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. I, I think this has been an excellent conversation. Um, I, I do have a couple of things. Our caveat for our show is, is goal setting. So um, I don't want to miss the chance to ask you, what sort of goals do you have currently? And what was your most notable achievement most recently? Ooh. Oh, that's a that's quite the question, isn't it? It's a hefty <laughs> two parter for sure. Um, I mean, I. Gosh, I, I, I'm not I haven't set any lofty, lofty, like individual goals where I could, you know, I could say like, oh, specifically, you know, I want to do this or that. I, I think for me, like, you know, at least when it comes to 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 creating content, you know, I as I sort of mentioned earlier, like, you know, when I lost my my job the second time around, you know, I basically I haven't really looked for work for a lot, a lot of reasons. But mostly because I kind of wanted to give the idea of you know, full time streaming and creating content a try. And I'm, you know, I'm working on that. I mean, my my big goal right now is can I can I do this? <laughs> can I actually, you know, make a living playing video games on the Internet for strangers? So, you know, it's not it's not a goal where I can put it in in simple terms for for you know saying, oh, my goal is to have, you know, X subscribers or average X viewers. Sure. Like it's not really the that's not exactly how I how I look at my success in that in those metrics. It's more that just like, you know, I'd like to continue to see sort of growth on my on my content channels. You know, I'd like to see the, the community that we've built continue to grow and, and be engaged. I've been full time streaming since about August of last year. And, you know, I'm really happy with the community that that we built. I still have lots of room to grow. But that's ultimately like, you know, my biggest goal, you know, right now is just can I can I look in the mirror in six months and be like, I do this full time. I can continue to not look for work elsewhere. And, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky enough to have plenty of cushion to, to give it a whirl and, and things are going well. But, you know, I'd like to be able to, to, to do that and be like, yeah, no, this is what I do. This is my you know, my full time gig. This is this is how I make a living. And, you know, it's been good so far. 
Absolutely. Uh, so I think that's a really great kind of place to wrap up here. So that being said, how can people find you? Where can they mm-hmm. find you? When can they find you? Yeah, well, the good news is the hardest part about finding me literally anywhere is just learning how to spell my stupid name. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be all over on here. But if you if you look for Alfindial on basically any platform, you're you're going to find me. One of the reasons I continue to use the use the name all these years later is that it's just no one's using it. So obviously, you know, I have a YouTube channel. I've got a, a very active Twitter. Um, I do have a, an open to the public discord. That's that's pretty great. We run we do run some PVP tournaments there, both uh, self style. Well, all self style, but like self official and sort of joke tournaments as well. Um, and then primarily you'll find me you'll find me on Twitch. Um, I stream every weekday on Twitch. There's a schedule posted there. That has my uh, Monday through Friday schedule. I stick to that pretty regularly. It's also got usually some details on what I'll be streaming. I do I do dabble in some other games. I've been playing Stardew Valley lately, which is one of my favorite games. But I like to sort of mix things up once a week or so and sort of take a break from Pokemon Go once a week to just sort of enjoy what is Something really else? my gaming time? Well, it's also <laughs> my gaming time. Like I can't, sure. I can't really justify playing a ton of games when I'm not live, um, just because I've got you know other stuff going on uh, in in real life. So if I want to play Stardew Valley or Mass Effect when the the Legendary Edition comes out or something like that, oh, yeah. I'm probably going to play it on stream because I, I it's the only real time that I've got sort of dedicated where I can say, hey, for six hours I'm gonna you know I'm gonna shiny hunt Registeel or I'm gonna play stardew or play mass effect so i've been dabbling in some other stuff and it's been really fun to sort of you know see where some some of the other stuff in our community interest wise is obviously you know pokemon go is kind of what brought us together but i like to think that it's not the only shared interest we might have so no and i think you know that animal crossing bubble definitely kind of proved that a little bit ago everybody was all about that it was super funny it was almost one-to-one with the pokemon community it was was great (laughs) hilarious there's still there's still an active animal crossing channel in my discord (laughs) that's awesome that game has that game has continued to persist uh in our discord there's a there's a, a relatively active channel there's probably you know six or seven people who are really really still you know daily animal crossing players which is great spectacular well we'll have links to everything that you mentioned uh just just now in the show notes everybody so easy access and i think that pretty much sums up our time you know thank you ken so very much for taking your time and uh, again this is such a a thorough and meta conversation i I didn't necessarily show up to have but i am incredibly happy that we had it Um, and i think there's gonna be a lot of value in this for people that are listening so thank you very much yeah well thank you so much for uh for having me i appreciate the opportunity to come on and and chat with you and i had a lovely time so thank you you got it well we'll see you on monday when we radio again all right i'll I'll, i will be there (laughs) 